It's good to be here again this morning, and it's good to see all of you. Um, <laughs> it's only been a month. <laughs> a month. Oh, man, yes. It's good to be together. All right, let's be seated. And uh, the first song that we'll sing this morning is... Uh, Kind of just a prayer that's been on my heart this week. Uh, shine, Jesus, shine. Um, so, uh, thank you all for coming, and uh, let's all stand up for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning with thankful hearts, Lord Jesus. Thank you that you're on the throne. Thank you that um, you are the same God yesterday, today, and forever, and that you are all-powerful and all-knowing, Lord Jesus. You know our ways. God, you, you know what we need. And uh, God, I just thank you for each one that's here this morning. God, as we're gathered here together, help us to remember that why we're here and that we're here to worship you, Lord, and to... Um, to see your glory, God, I pray that Jesus would be glorified in our midst this morning and that, God, that you would, your Holy Spirit would have free reign in our hearts, Lord. God, I know that I need you. Lord, I believe we all do every day. Uh, Lord, we need your presence in our lives and you to change us day by day, Lord. Um, God, I just pray for those who are watching online. Bless them. Be with them. Um, pray for healing and strength. And, Lord, think of the uh, Goche family this morning with the uh, newborn baby, Lord, we lift them up to you and ask that you would touch uh, young Isaac, Lord, and and uh, give him grace, Lord, to climb the mountain that's in front of him, just heal him, and and Lord, we commit him into your hands. Thank you, Lord, for uh, the grace that you give in times like these, Lord, uh, for this dear family, Lord, Christian and Aaron, Lord, just bless their day and bless them, and um, God, we just lift your name high this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Shine, Jesus, shine. Let's sing with all our hearts.
Lord, that's our heart's cry this morning, Lord, that there would be light. Lord, flood the nations with your grace, Lord, and mercy, Lord Jesus, and draw all men to you, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name.
As I was singing that song, Anthony, I obviously was thinking of your dad. Sorry, my heart just goes out with you this morning. Anthony's dad just got put on a ventilator this morning, or as we're speaking, they're putting him on. And uh, he just told me the doctors don't give him much hope. Let's just spend a little bit of time in prayer. Lord, I just... Lord, how do we pray when times like this are upon us? And... Lord, do we truly trust in you? Are we truly looking to you and saying you are you are our everything? Or do we trust in ourselves and the, and the things of this world and the skills of our own hands? But Lord, I just, in this time, I just give Anthony's dad to you. And Lord, I ask that you would be in control of the situation. Mm-hmm. Lord, if it's, if it's your will, Lord, and we pray that it is, that you would heal him and that he would be okay that we would have more time here on earth with him. But Lord, give us the faith to understand that you are in control, even if it doesn't go the way we want it to. And Lord, to know that you are still on the throne, that you have the greatest and the best plan that we could possibly ask for. And Lord, just as we sing, oh, what joy that we can find in resting in you and knowing that your plan is best. In whatever life may bring, Lord, that we find our joy in you. Lord, just pray for Anthony and his family, Lord, that you would give them much peace. And Lord, and Anthony especially, Lord, that you would just rest your spirit upon him and give him a, give him a peace, Lord, that even he can't understand in this time. Lord, we just pray that you would do this and that you're your glory would be shown forth. We can't understand it. We don't see it. But Lord, I pray that your plan would be shown and your glory would be shown forth through this. In Anthony's life and in his dad's and in his mom's and the rest of his family. We ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. 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 You can be seated.
Jesus, God, I thank you for the grace of God that brought us to your fold. Lord, I pray that, uh, Lord, I pray for each believer here this morning. I pray that uh, you would continually show us the your amazing grace. And, Lord, that we would continually be in awe of what you've saved us from. Lord, saving us from the bondage of sin and death, delivering us from death and giving us eternal life. Jesus, thank you for that. Thank you for shedding your blood and the grace that you give us um, and bringing us into your fold. Thank you, Lord. Amen. All right, I'd like to open it up and uh, turn it over to you all. And and, uh, does anyone have a testimony or a praise praise report or a prayer request? I'd just like to open it up. that we get to come together and worship God together and do life together. And so I've just been thanking God so much for all of you and for his body. Um, it, it's lonely by yourself. It's just lonely. And I think we're created to be into a body and integrated. And so um, I've just been thinking a lot lately of how thankful I am for the body of Christ and for his grace and his love and he knows exactly what we need when we need it. Um, I'm just thankful that he is in control of our lives, that he plans our days, he plans our steps, 
And there's such peace and such joy in that. Um, I don't want to take it. much as we like each other, it does get awful lonely, just our family and the two of us, and Preston, and we usually have Shirtha around too, but it is, it is interesting, you think, oh, well, it's just, you know, it's just people, You're, you'll be fine, you know, it's no big deal, but boy, when it actually happens, and I'm sitting there going, wow, I mean, we had the youth over the other night, and I didn't know where to start hugging people, and I just wanted to hug them all and just keep hugging them all because I've missed them all so bad and felt like just so long since I'd seen them but I also was it, it, um, it spoke to me that we only have a certain amount of time and I don't know how much time I have left to give Abe a hug or to call him and have that freedom to be involved in his life whenever I want to be um, or all the time, I don't know, whenever I want to be, whenever he wants to be involved in my life. But that freedom to be there with each other, we don't know. The older I get, the faster time is flying by. Um, yeah, Chuck, you keep nodding back there. Um, I mean, how many sat through that, uh, Ray, what's, what was, no, it wasn't Ray Comfort. No, who was up there at the youth retreat? Rick Grubbs, thank you. I always get Ray Comfort and Rick Grubbs mixed up for some reason. And, you know, redeeming the time, what? Oh, I know, and I'm going to get there soon. It's coming really fast. But, you know, he talks about the, the longer life goes, the faster life goes. And I was talking about it with my dad, and he was saying how he's... In his mind, he's thinking of all the things his dad did at his age, and he's sitting there going through his life thinking about, well, my dad was doing this at this age, and now I'm here, and I'm doing this. And it was kind of funny to me because I was thinking the exact same thing to myself. I'm going through life. Oh, dad was doing this when he was 36 years old, and I'm, I'm looking at that time frame. Or dad had this much energy, and I have this much energy, and it's you know not fair that he had more than me at 36 years old so you think about those things and we don't know how much time we have how much are we living our days our hours to the best or am I just wasting it or am I just going through the motions or am I giving it everything I have those of you that know me even well which most of you here would I don't do things at half throttle usually whatever I'm doing I usually do things at max speed max impact as fast as I can go as hard as I can hit it and it's good in some ways but in this I feel like I could learn a lot more to give it everything I have to actually live every day to the fullest of investing in others um, investing in my family my wife my children but just investing in what God has given us to invest into. Some of the youth were sitting there the other night when we were talking about the talents. This comes kind of back to that in, am I really, truly trying to double what God has given me? God has given me, uh, in my opinion, I, uh, this thought was with me, God has given me five souls at this point. My wife and my four boys. Am I trying my hardest to double that? I want to quadruple it. I want to invest way bigger than that. But if I think about that, if I am willing to invest five more, 
Five people come to Christ because of me, beyond my own family. That's ten. And if each one of them goes again on five, think of the, think of the impact of that, that, how big that gets in a generation, in a hundred years. Am I willing to invest that, even that hard? That seems so small, but am I willing to invest that much to see what God will do? I think there's such a good thing in that, uh, Gary, with your your work drive. Whatever you do, do with all your might as to the Lord. And I see that in you. That always uh, encourages me. Who is our living hope this morning? Can anyone answer that? Wow. <laughs> what did you all come to church for this morning? <laughs> <laughs> Don't all talk at once. Amen. All right. Let's stand up and sing together.
impressed on my heart.
Amen. Huh? Oh, she forgot. Ah, you look good. Oh, bass just left loose. Hey, where's Lexi? Oh, there you are. How did I miss you? Maybe you just got so tall now that I can't quite figure out who you were. You're still five. It seems like so long. Just a second ago that you guys were all younger. Alright, so I got a new song I'm going to teach you this morning, but we can wait a little bit on that. You guys like new ones, right? Okay. As, as long as they don't go too fast, right? Right, okay. So you got a song? Benny, you got a song you want to sing? None? Oh my goodness. Just teach you the new song right away? Yeah. Okay. Have you ever heard, whose side are you leaning on? You ever heard that one? Yeah. Okay, we're going to sing praying. We got one verse is leaning. You know what leaning on the Lord's side would mean? That means, okay, so if you're, hmm, how to explain this? Okay, so if you're standing on a very narrow beam, a narrow, something very small, right? And it's just as wide as my feet. And I'm, gonna, and I'm leaning this way and I lose my balance. Where am I going to fall? I can do this. Okay, but if I fall, where am I going to fall? This way or that way? That way. That way. So if this is the Lord's side and this is the devil's side, which side do I want to fall on? That side. That side. So if I'm leaning and I fall, I want to fall in the Lord's hands. 
not the other way, okay? So whose side are you leaning on? Means, or I'm leaning on the Lord's side, all right? Now you're all going to fall over when you're doing this song, ain't you? What, what key, Jason? D? Tell me. Okay, got that now? Okay, so what we're going to do though is we're going to get your parents involved and they're going to have to, you're going to ask them, the, they're going to ask you the question, you're going to have to answer it, okay? They're going to ask, whose side are you leaning on? And what are you going to say? I'm leaning on the Lord's side. Then they're going to ask again, okay? You guys got this? Okay. Whose side are you leaning on? I'm leaning on. You're all busy leaning but not singing. Let's try it again. Whose side are you leaning? I'm leaning on the Lord's side. I'm leaning on the Lord's side. I lean, I lean, I lean, I lean. I'm leaning on the Lord's side. I lean. Whose side are you singing on? The Lord's side. Tell me whose side are you singing on? I'm singing on the Lord's side. I sing, I sing, I sing, I sing. I'm singing on the Lord's side. I sing, I sing, I sing, I sing. I'm singing on the Lord's side. Tell me whose side are you praying on? I'm praying on the Lord's side. Tell me whose side are you praying on? I'm praying on the Lord's side. I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray. I'm praying on the Lord's side. I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray. I'm praying on the Lord's side. So you guys can all practice your leaning this week, okay? Oh, that one? That one's all Jason. That one, see, I, I don't lay on the ground and sing. That's Jason. Okay, got another one? We'll get Jason to do that, though. Got another one? God's not dead. That's always a good one. D or A? D? G? God's not dead, no, he is alive. God's not dead, no, he is alive. God's not dead, no, he is alive. I feel him in my hands, feel him in my feet, feel him in my heart, I feel him in my soul. Woo! Feel him. 
my feet, feel him in my heart, feel him in my soul, Woo! feel him all over me. Boy, I tell you, I can tell Lukey really felt the Lord all over him in that song. Feel him in my hands, feel him in my heart, feel him in my feet. All right, guy. Another one? Got another one? Wrapped up, tied up? This is Sherry's favorite song. Huh? You do too? I know. All right. You got it? You ready, Tiff? You got this all figured out, right? Wrapped up, tied up, tangled up. Should we get, should we get Addison up here to help you? Yeah, I think that'd be a good idea. Huh? You ready, Addison? Let's go. Come on. See, if Addison can be a big kid like this up here, he's standing right over here. This is the biggest kid we have in the church. All right. What do you do, Chief? All right, ready? Wrapped up. Tied up, tangled up in Jesus, wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus, wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus, wrapped up, tied up, tangled up, wrapped up, tied up, tangled up, wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in God. I'm inside, outside, side to side in I'm inside, outside, side to side in Jesus. I'm inside, outside, side to side in Jesus. I'm inside, outside, side to side. Inside, outside, side to side. Inside, outside, side to side in God. I'm upright, downright, living right in Jesus. I'm upright, downright. Living right in Jesus, I'm upright, downright, living right in Jesus, I'm upright, downright, living right, upright, downright, living right, upright, downright, living right in God. I'm wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus, I'm inside, outside, side to side in Jesus, I'm upright, downright. Living right in Jesus, I'm wrapped up, tied up, tangled up, inside, outside, side to side, upright, down, right, living right in God. Huh? You want to do it slow? About slow? You might get this. I'm going to tell your mama she's going to have to practice with you at home. I mean, you guys got the side to side all figured out, but I mean, I mean, you guys are really good at jumping up and down and side to side. The wrapped up, okay, you got this? Wrapped up, tied up. You got this, Tiff? Hands backwards, tied up, tangled up. (laughs) 
We got to we got to work on that that hand clap backwards hand clap. Got that? All right. You got to go do it slow yet? I'm wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus. I'm wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus. I'm wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus. I'm wrapped up, tied up, tangled up. Outside, outside, side to side, upright, down, right, living right in God. That's how you want to end it? Yeah? Okay, we'll leave it at that. Next time we'll do really fast. Uh huh. Yeah, well, next time, yeah. Okay, one more song. I got a story for you. Which one? Okay, I gotta remember this. Oh, that's Jason's song. Never mind, I'm out of here. Oh, you might want to move the car. He might lay on it and hurt his back. Addison, we want to see you do every motion of this song. Okay, are you ready? Okay, are you all ready? What key? Uh, Key of A. Cast your burdens. Onto Jesus, for He cares for you. Cast your burdens onto Jesus, for He cares for you. your burdens onto Jesus for he cares for you gotten really good at that song. I mean, really good. I can't believe how you guys remember it. I've sang it a couple times. I can't even remember it. So, all right. Why don't you guys just sit down right there? Because you're children and you can bend like that. Yeah, thanks, Edison. 
How many of you know who Hudson Taylor is? Hey, where'd y'all go? Over here. On the audio? Okay. Oh, you were listening to it last night? Where was he a missionary to? Wow. Okay. And he told them about the wonderful things in the USA. What did he tell them about? What in the Bible specifically? Jesus. Why would we tell them about Jesus? Okay, Benny, sit up. Why would he tell them about Jesus? But why would we want them to be followers? Okay, because he's in charge. That's a good, yeah, that's right. We want them to be followers because he's in charge. Um, we want them to be followers. What does Jesus give us that nothing else can? A lot of things. He gives us the peace, joy, the fruit of the Spirit nobody else can give us. When hard times come, do we have to... They're hard, but what do we have that nobody else has? You know, Jesus. He can get us through anything. Okay. Hudson Taylor lived in a little English village with with his father and his mother and his two sisters. They lived in a time when you traveled by coach and horses. In other words, a little thing that ran around on four wheels pulled by horses to get to places it took you ever so long to get anywhere they call that a coach I call that a wagon alright see it okay looks like he loved horses when he was little one day something that should have happened quickly took a very long time everyone was having their lunch Hudson was hungry but he hadn't been given any soup His mother had forgotten him. Hudson's tummy rumbled, but nobody noticed. He sighed just one little, but nobody heard. What would Hudson do? It looks like his bowl is empty. All right, here's Hudson. His bowl is empty. His mother forgot to give him soup. He was not allowed to speak at the dinner table. He had to be quiet. He wasn't allowed to raise his hand at the dinner table. Hudson had to sit still. Boy, I should learn some of these rules. He wasn't allowed to whistle or wiggle or wriggle. Same as wiggle. Or do anything but eat. And Hudson couldn't eat as he hadn't been given any soup. You're looking pretty sad here. The sister's looking like she's happy eating soup. So Hudson just sat and listened. His father was talking about China. In that country there were big rivers, high mountains, and wonderful people with long flowing cloaks and jet black hair. Even the men wear their hair in plates, in braids, his father explained, and the women have very tiny feet. So he was sitting listening. See, the women have very tiny feet, and they all wear these cloaks. High mountains. All right. 
Hudson father, Hudson's father told them about how the Chinese were very clever and had made wonderful inventions. You could see amazing animals there, breathtaking scenery, and beautiful plants, but they don't have Bibles. Hudson's father sighed. Who is going to tell the Chinese people about God, he asked. See, here he's talking about it. That's his father. It's his dad. Hudson didn't know the answer to that question, and besides, he was still waiting for his soup. Just then he had an idea. I am allowed to ask for the salt, Hudson remembered. When he asked his mother, when he asked for it, his mother looked at his empty plate and gasped. Quickly, she ran into the kitchen to fetch him some soup. He's pretty clever to think about asking for salt. Now, Preston, he would put salt on an empty bowl. But not all of us would think of salt. Oh, you want to see the picture? So she ran in and got him some soup. Just as he finished his soup, he remembered something. Hudson remembered that the Chinese people didn't have Bibles. How will they find out about God if they don't have Bibles, Hudson wondered. Someone would have to bring the Bibles to them, he decided. Now he's eating his soup. But he's thinking about all the Bibles that he heard about. Many years later, Hudson was walking down a busy Chinese street. His short blonde hair was now long and black. His smart English suit had been replaced by a beautiful Chinese robe. It was market day and the town was very busy. There were lots of people and lots of animals and Hudson had a job to do. He looks a little different now, don't he? No, he started dressing like a Chinese. He bowed politely to an old man on the corner of the street and sat down to speak to him about Jesus. The old man's eyes shone and he smiled when he heard that God loved him. Before he left, Hudson handed him some paper with beautiful Chinese writing on it. The old man could now read about Jesus for himself. So Hudson gave him a Bible. It is, it is amazing, thought Hudson. When I was little, I was worried about not getting my soup. But now so many Chinese people have not heard about... But so many people... But so many Chinese people have not heard about Jesus. That is something very sad indeed. I hope things will change soon. Hudson walked back through the market. Other people needed to know about Jesus too. Yeah, the Chinese love their kites. Other people did hear about Jesus. Lots of them. Hudson Taylor worked very hard for many years. Lots of Chinese people know and love Jesus now. But there are still many people who haven't heard about him. The end. So, it's not always about getting your soup. It's about listening to what's being said. Sometimes you hear more if you're not eating. I need to know that too. Even if you come what? If you eat in here, you can't hear it. Yeah. Sometimes you're just so busy eating, you forget to listen. Yeah, that's me. When I eat, I eat with everything I got. And then I get done, and then I listen. Or then I do all the talking because everybody else is eating. All right. You guys can go back. Thank you.
Good morning. It's good to have you all here this morning. Carrie alluded to a little bit my uh, father's condition in the hospital and uh, prayed for him some. I'd like to take a little bit of time to do that some more here this morning. My Bear with me a minute here. My mind went to Jesus in the New Testament talking to Martha. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. He says, do you believe this? You know, that, I think, is the most important question that Jesus asked anybody in the New Testament or in his ministry. Do you believe that? That's really what our entire life, our existence, our being consists of, whether we really believe that. At this moment... My dad's in the ICU, a severe case of COVID, pneumonia, bronchitis, pretty much everything. Very grim outlook from a human standpoint. And that's hard. It's really hard. 70 years old, he's not a young man. I'd love to have another 10 years with my dad. I don't know that that's going to happen. God knows that, but ultimately, I can say with confidence that my dad lived his life believing that he would never die. And I don't know what the next days or weeks holds for him, but no matter what is in store for his earthly body. And yes, at, at 70 years old, he may, he may live a while longer. He, he may live another 10 years. But ultimately, he's nearing the end of his earthly life either way. But I know that he lived his life in the confidence that he will never die. And that's the challenge for for me this morning in times like this my living my life believing in such a way that I know that I will never die and that's that's what I want for for my life and I pray that that's will be a reminder for each one of us that we live our lives in that way. Phil, I'm going to let you come up and and if you want to spend some time praying for my dad or uh, leading us in prayer for that, I'll let you you take charge of that and then you can go ahead and uh, speak. And uh, once again, thank you all for for being here. Thank you, uh, worship team, for being here once again and having a full team here. It was a blessing. Songs really spoke to my heart.
thank you so much for those selections, Jason, and uh, for leading us in that time of worship. So let's continue together in prayer and in worship and listening to the word. So. Um, would you mind if we would just have you and Ruthie and the kids come up and we pray around you? Sure. Let's do that. Whoever feels like uh, coming up and praying. You can turn your Bibles to John chapter 5. The Gospel of John chapter 5. As we've been walking through the Gospel as recorded to us by Apostle John, the Lord's been changing my heart. And giving me a fresh revelation of his word. He's been meeting with me as I've been walking through his life story and life's words. And that's my prayer for each one of you this morning. One of two things will happen to every one of us who sit here this morning. You will either hear the words and forget them, or you will hear the words and be changed by them. If you open up your heart this morning, and you allow the Lord Jesus to come in and open the eyes of your heart, you'll see Jesus. That's what will happen. You'll meet with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And you'll hear his voice. And he will guide you into all truth. We'll begin reading in verse 33. You have sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. But the witness which I receive is not from man. But I say these things that you may be saved. He was the lamp that was burning and was shining. And you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the witness which I have is greater than that of John. What witness do you have? Is it greater than that of John the Baptist? Now John was the greatest man, Jesus said, he was the greatest man under the old covenant. There was no greater prophet than John. If Moses, Elijah, and John the Baptist were all of a sudden to appear right here in front of us, like they did with Jesus and Peter and James and John on the Mount of Transfiguration, we call it, where Jesus was changed And in a moment, I mean, I want you to get this picture because I want it to happen to you this morning. You go up into this mountain with Jesus on a hike. You have no clue where Jesus is going and what he's doing. He just says, hey, you, Judd, Addie, and Brandon, come with me. Let's go on a hike. And they go. And they get there. I don't know what they're doing. Maybe Jesus is talking to them. Maybe they're quiet, but it does say that Jesus begins to pray. And all of a sudden, 
there's Elijah and Moses. Now these guys had never seen Elijah and Moses, just like you and I have never seen them. They heard of their story all their life. But in a moment, they were right here. No wonder Peter and James and John fell on their faces like dead men and were really scared. Greatly feared, says. I think you would do that right now if that would happen right here. And then Moses would start talking to you. And he would start telling you, you're the son of God. You're part of God's family like I am. He would start talking to you and Elijah would come and give you a big hug and say, we're brothers in God's family. You're like me. And they would begin to encourage you to tell you how loved you are in heaven. And then they'd go in a moment. It was like a dream. They'd be gone. Let me ask you, would it make a difference in your life? Would you all of a sudden be absolutely persuaded and convinced that you really are a child of God? More than you've ever been in your life because Elijah and Moses and John the Baptist was there too. And they would tell you and affirm that God loves you. Would it convince you more? As you honestly answer in your own heart, my question to you is this. Is there a greater witness than that in your heart right now as you sit here this morning as you woke up this morning was there a greater witness than that experience in your heart with God if there isn't that's your greatest need right now You don't need anything else in life more than you need that witness. If that witness is not greater than that, men witnessing, testifying that you are somebody, that you are God's child, then perhaps it's no wonder that you're trying to fill your life with witnesses man's testimony of who you are or who you want to be in Christ or maybe you're still walking out into the world every morning trying to establish yourself talking to yourself and proving to yourself of who you really think you are and as you go out and meet people That comes out of your heart, out of the abundance of the heart. The mouth speaks that I need to tell you who I am. Let me tell you who I really am. Jesus did not receive the witness from man. He only said these things so that they would be saved because these people he was talking to believed John the Baptist. 
They had flocked. Many of them were baptized by him. They believed he was a man of God. And they may have been there. Perhaps many of them were there the day that John said, Look, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world when Jesus came into the crowd. And then Jesus coming up was baptized by John. And maybe they seen the dove descending down. But Jesus says to them, but the witness which I have is greater than that of John. For the works which the Father has given me to do, to accomplish, the very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me, verse 37, and the Father who sent me, he has borne witness of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his form. And you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe him whom he sent. You search the scriptures. You search the scriptures. Now that's a spiritual God-seeking man, right? Wouldn't you agree that a person, a man or woman who daily searches the scriptures, they must fear God. They must be in love with Jesus because they read their Bible every morning. They never fail. They spend at least two hours in prayer and in Bible reading every day. They are spiritual people. Wouldn't you agree? Jesus doesn't agree. He says, no. You don't even believe in the one whom he sent. You're not spiritual. You're carnal. You're fleshly. You're looking for a witness of men. You're not spiritual. They didn't fool Jesus. Why? Because he was not seeking the honor of men. He didn't need the witness of man to say, you're the son of God. Let me ask you, who spoke? Whose voice did Peter and the others hear on the mount saying, you are my son in whom I am well pleased? Who spoke it? Did Elijah speak it? Did Moses say that? No. They didn't. It's not recorded that they heard anything that Elijah and Moses said. The one voice that is recorded is when God the Father spoke to them and said, This is my beloved Son. Hear ye Him. That's the voice they heard. And Jesus heard. That was the voice of his father. So while they search the scriptures, because you think that in them you have eternal life, you can be a Bible reading person. You can memorize it cover to cover and the devil still got you beat. He's better than you are at quoting scripture. He'll outsmart you every time. You tried it with Jesus. 
How did he tempt Jesus? First of all, look, there's bread. And Jesus goes, no, man should not live by bread alone. But the next time he comes back and he quotes scripture to Jesus. And again the third time he quotes scripture to him. So if you think by searching the scriptures, the devil will never deceive you. By memorizing scripture, you'll never be deceived. You are already deceived. The devil has it all memorized and is still the devil. And you can be the same. You and I. You can search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. My relationship with God, my confidence in my spirit is based upon what I do. How much of this book I read. How many hours I spend in prayer. Well then you'd better go find a monastery. The one who lives the longest and spends the most time in the monastery reading the Bible and praying is the most spiritual and has the most eternal life. But that's not true. That's what Jesus was addressing right here. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is these who bear witness of me. Read the scriptures to bear, to see the witness of Jesus. Why did they not receive eternal life while searching the scriptures? This is why. And this is still today the reason you and I miss it. We miss it every time. You can spend all your days searching the scriptures. But here's where we'll miss Jesus and you are unwilling to come to me that you may have life you see we can come to the scriptures without coming to Jesus I've done it many times I've come to the scriptures many times in my life I confess to preach a sermon not to meet with Jesus I've been preaching this out of this book for over 20 years. Regularly. Hundreds of sermons I've preached. I haven't recorded, but probably thousands and thousands of hours I've studied this book. Read commentaries on it for the last 20, 30 years. And my, to my shame... Many times I've even stood up here and preached the scriptures without meeting Jesus that morning. And you can do the same. You can get up in the morning and quote scripture to everyone you meet. You'll have a verse. But inside, you lack the testimony, the greatest witness on earth sent from heaven the Holy Spirit the voice of the Father speaking through the Spirit saying this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased that praise of God brings confidence 
to the soul of man that nothing can even mirror image it. Nothing. That's why we praise ourselves so much. You know, Proverbs says very clearly, let another man praise you and not your own lips. But I find the temptation in my heart is that whenever I want to share a testimony of Jesus Christ, there's a little bit of praise in there for me. Just a little bit. To make them think, I got something special with Jesus. Oh, it's all about him, I say. He did all the special things for me. I'm a little special with him. And I want to impress you with that. Jesus didn't have any of that. And here's why. I'll show you his secret. So that you and I can also have that same secret with our Father in heaven. And it will literally open the drain to all your pride. And your ego. Because you have now no more need of a witness of anyone on earth in your life you don't need anyone affirming you at any time do you know how many people I've counseled with and prayed with especially young people over the years of ministering to young people at youth conferences where hundreds literally hundreds of them I've prayed with and you know what they said one of their greatest life struggles whether women or men was their relationship with their earthly dad they didn't have a The the confidence that their dad really loved them, so it became a great struggle in their hearts, in their confidence towards God. And the cry of their hearts was, I have all these problems and I lack all this self-confidence and esteem because my father would always tear me down every day. He never praised me. He never believed in me. All of this blame upon their earthly father. Was that really their problem? The answer is clear. It is not. It is not your problem. Your earthly dad is not your problem. Your problem is your problem with God. Because you lack this. The witness of the Holy Spirit which is greater than any testimony that man could ever give you even the greatest prophet in the Old Testament could not fill you with this love and confidence that it brings to your heart that you are the son of God you are the daughter of God they couldn't bear that witness in your heart Verse 41, I do not receive glory from men, but I know you, that you do not have the love of God in yourselves. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another shall come in his own name, you will receive him. We're very gullible, because we're impressed by men. And we try to impress each other almost every day of our life. The natural man does that. But the spiritual man, one who is born of the Spirit, and now comes to Christ in the same way that Christ came to His Father, that person 
That man or woman is changed from the natural to the spiritual. Every day we're being changed from glory to glory. A little more of your natural posture of your thought life. A little more of your attitude, which is natural. A little bit more of your temperament. A little bit more of who you are physiologically and emotionally, soulishly is changed into the image of who Jesus is every day. That is what the Holy Spirit has come to do in our lives every day. That's the goal He wakes you up with. That's the goal and the destination we have been predestined for, to be changed into the image of Jesus. And to be changed from this natural desire of wanting the praise of men, of living for the praise of men, of being so man-conscious. It's like we're immersed into man-consciousness. You know, when someone is immersed, we call it baptism. It means immersed. It means you're put under the water. And when you're down under the water, the boys, they love to go under the water when we swim in the pools, right? See how long they can stay under the water. See what they can find under the water. When you're under the water, you lose a sense of your outside, whatever's going on up there. It becomes a whole different world. Your consciousness is under the water. That's how we are naturally. We're underwater. We're born that way. Amen, Tim. When you and I get that and we begin to believe that, then we'll realize my only hope is in Jesus. We can sing it every Sunday, but we can miss it and not even live like that every day. But when we realize I was born underwater, I need to come up for air and breathe the heavenly atmosphere that I was created to live in. You were not created to live underwater. You're not a shark. You're not a whale. You're not an underwater creature. You're an above land air kind of creature. We say that physiologically, sure. I agree with you. I'm saying your spirit was not born to be submerged and hidden and controlled by this flesh and its passions and its desires and its, its eyes, what it sees and what it hears and be governed that way. No, man was created a living soul, a spirit who was given a body. And when the Holy Spirit comes into your spirit and he breathes the breath of life, in Ephesians 2 he says, And you which were dead he has made alive to God. When you are made alive to God, that spirit needs air. And it wasn't born to be bound up in flesh and governed by your flesh, controlled by your flesh, be subjected to your flesh. That's why your flesh will never inherit eternal life. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Don't let it inherit your spirit while you live on the earth. This is our problem. We allow our flesh to govern that which was born by the spirit of God within us. Because we seek glory from men. We're not rooted and grounded in the love of God. His praise 
First Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul says this. The Corinthians were doubting his ministry and the power of it. First Corinthians chapter 4. First Corinthians chapter 4. Let a man regard us in this manner as servants of Christ, as stewards of the mysteries of God. In this case, moreover, it is required of stewards that one be found trustworthy. But to me, it's a very small thing that I should be examined by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even examine myself. For I am conscious of nothing against myself, yet I am not by this acquitted. Paul said, I don't know of anything that I've done wrong towards you Corinthians. And we have a lot of Christians, and I find in me the temptation constantly to say, I have a good conscience. What's your problem when someone criticizes me? I have a good conscience about this, but Paul wasn't willing to settle for that. His own knowledge of himself. This is what made the difference to Paul and what he lived for. Yet I am not by this acquitted, but the one who examines me is the Lord. Therefore do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes who will both bring to light the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motives of men's hearts, and then each man's praise will come to him from whom? From the Lord. There's no greater confidence you can have in this world than that. Hearing your Father in heaven praising you every day. That's where Jesus got his confidence from. His Father's voice. I have come in my Father's name. And you do not receive me. If another shall come in his own name, you will receive him. Have you ever noticed how gullible we as Christians are? Because we want to give each other the benefit of the doubt. I find in Christians and in my own self that I'm pretty easily impressed by people who speak of themselves in subtle ways. Now, if someone is outright arrogant and always boasting nah, we, it's pretty easy to write them off right but if a stranger if you wouldn't know me at all and I came preaching to you and sharing my testimony to you about some great things that God is doing in my life and in that testimony, I would tell you how many hours I prayed this morning or if I was up all night praying for the last three nights and there was great fasting and prayer and, and I was... I bet I could sway you. Or couldn't I? Could I convince you? Or would you sit here looking for a greater witness than me of my own testimony? Asking the Lord, give me a greater witness of this man. If every Christian were to have that greatest witness in his heart, not one of us 
would ever be deceived. We would never be led astray by men who praise themselves, who lift themselves up, and who give glowing testimony reports. Because we would find the witness of heaven everywhere we go. Not only in our own lives, but also with each other. Jesus was this way. How can you believe, verse 44, when you receive glory from another, and you do not seek the glory that is from the one and only God? How can you believe what God will say to you? You won't believe it. And here's why you won't. You will maybe for a moment when you hear his voice speaking to you in the night. Or as you're going through the day, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit will convict you. You'll hear his voice of truth. And you'll know it's the Lord. But then something happens. The mind begins to think. Well, if I do this, what will people say of me? What will people think? What will my family say? What effect will it have on my church? What effect will it have on my brothers? And what about my neighbors? People will think. Man consciousness immediately wants to submerge you and push you under the water again. Submerge you into the man consciousness that most of the world is living by. The moment you come up for a little air, you hear his voice. Loud and clear in your heart. That will happen to you every time. What will you do? Will you obey his voice? That's what Jesus did. Jesus was a human just like you and me. Hebrews tells us that in every point he was tempted and made like his brethren so that he could be a faithful and just high priest. He understood that. He was getting it right here. And the crowd was real. And the people's voices were loud in his life. But he had heard his father's voice. And he did not seek the glory except that one and only from his father. The secret that I want to share with you this morning of living this life only comes through one door doesn't come in over any other walls in your life. It doesn't come in like a bulldozer smashing your life to pieces. It comes through a door. A door that every one of us were born with that was shut. Shut tight. And the longer we live, the more it was cemented into our lives. Because every day that we live and grow in that day, that will is exercised and is fed and thought about and given to. Jesus walked through that door, opened that door, was the first man to ever do this, ever be able to say this truth. None of the great prophets could even say what Jesus said here. No one could ever say these words. Look what he said in verse 30. I can do nothing on my own initiative. Did you choose to come here this morning? Or did someone lead you here? Did you just get the idea? I'm going to do this. So you do it. Just like, you know, 
when you're hungry for ice cream and someone says, maybe you have a craving all of a sudden, let's go to Dairy Queen. The whole crowd goes to Dairy Queen. Not very hard to take 10 people with you right out of this crowd. Go to Dairy Queen. Your own thoughts, your own idea, your own initiative takes you into your everyday. That's how you live your life. On your own initiative. This is how the natural man lives. He's not led into anything except by other people and other people's voices. But in his inner man, he does everything on his own initiative. He gets an idea and he does it. This is our natural man. And if you live the natural man, you will die. That's what he tells us. The natural man cannot accept the things that are of God, 1 Corinthians 3. Romans 8 tells us the mind that is set on the flesh will die. It will lead you to death. Proverbs tells us there is a way that seems right to man, but the end of it is death. Everything I do on my own initiative will lead me to death. You believe that? Or do you believe it's half and half? You know, like we like creamer for coffee. Wow, that's a little rich. That's a little that's a little strong, Phil. That's how Jesus lived, but I'm not Jesus. Was Jesus, is he your example? And this is what Jesus can and wants to do for you. Can and wants to do for you. To lead you to a life like this, as he lived. I can do nothing on my own initiative. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because... I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If I alone bear witness of myself, my testimony is not true. If you hear a person alone bearing witness of himself, cross it out. Discount it first. It might be true in his own eyes, but it may not actually be true. Because Jeremiah 17 tells us the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Jeremiah 17 verse 9. Your heart, your own heart is deceitful and it's desperately wicked. Who could know it? Who could know your heart? Can you? If you think you can, you're fooled. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool. Proverbs tells us, Proverbs 28. He who trusts in his own heart, in his own initiative, in his own ideas, you're a fool. Are you living as a fool every day? Because you get up in the morning and do things your way. You get up in the morning and you live, as Paul said to the church at Corinth, it is actually possible for you who name the name of Christ to live like they lived. Like mere men. He said you are still fleshly. You're still carnal. You're living like everybody else. You're just living like mere people. You're not being led by the spirit of the living God. Jesus did nothing unless he was led by his father. He said I will do nothing unless I see my father do it and hear him say it. 
This is how Jesus lived. Are you ready for that life? In Hebrews chapter 10, Jesus finds himself like this. Verse 5. Therefore, when he comes into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering thou hast not desired, but a body thou hast prepared for me. In whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast taken no pleasure. Therefore, then I said, Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me to do thy will, O God. We are born with a desire to sacrifice to something, to pay for what we get. I remember very well when I was in India, way back in a remote village in the northern part of India, preaching to this little, very, very poor village. It was so poor, guys, I personally had never seen quite this amount of poverty. The houses were three walls and a little tin roof, mud walls. The front was open, and the cows and the pigs were there, and the kids and mom was cooking there. The chickens were running around. The kids were playing in the... It was all one house. Animals, pigs, everybody occupied the same house. As we drove into this village, the people were coming together because the, the people that I had gone there with had told them there'll be a meeting and there's going to be this preacher and he's going to preach to you the word of God. There was no church in this village. The church was a Buddhist church. And so they were Hindu and Buddhism was, were their gods. And they had many gods. But something happened as the people gathered together. And I don't know, maybe a hundred or so people came together in that little town square. They just set up chairs in the middle of this little village. Around all these huts. And I sat there and another guy got up and he started preaching and he was preaching to them for a while and all of a sudden there was a woman over here who started screaming and hollering and cursing God and falling on the floor and writhing and she was demon possessed. And as we prayed, the spirit just calmed right down. But then something happened that really grieved my heart. They began to open up as they were preaching and saying, if you have something to give to Christ, come on up. People bought, brought bowls of rice up and put them up here. It'd be like you guys coming up here and you bring bowls of rice and one guy brought a chicken and, and they brought anything that they had that they needed to live on and they were going to sacrifice it to God. Why do people do that? Why do Christians do that? And as I sat there waiting to come up and preach as this other guy was going on and on about how they should bring their tithes to the Lord... I was ashamed of myself. I didn't even want to get up and preach. And I sat there crying in my heart because I remembered these words. Sacrifice and offering thou hast not desired. God was not desiring any of their chickens, their rice and their beans and their goats. He wasn't desiring a sacrifice and an offering. What was he wanting? The Spirit of God was there. What was he wanting? 
He was wanting the body of that demon-possessed soul. That's what he was wanting. He was wanting their bodies as the temple of the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, those who would come to do his will, to give their bodies, as Romans 12 says, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, that would have changed the whole village from taking their, all of their life they were taught to take their rice and all of their stuff and sacrifice it to all their gods, the Hindu and the Buddhist gods. And God was just another one of them for them. This God named Jesus was just like all their other gods. He wanted their money, their rice, their stuff. Let me ask you, does your God want your stuff? Is that how you serve Him? Do you seek to please your Father in Heaven by giving Him your stuff? Or how are you getting up in the morning and seeking to please your God? If you're like mere men, you will do just as all men do. Bring your sacrifice and your offering, but you'll leave out the one thing God wants. The one thing Jesus has come to change in people and their relationship with God. It's their very body to put within you the spirit of the living God to take your bodies out of your own will. Now all of a sudden, your will begins to change. It is not subjected to your body anymore. It now submits to God, its Father, because it gets its witness from God. Romans 8, those who are the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. The Spirit itself bears witness that we are His children. And so we cry, Daddy, Daddy! That's the witness that changes my will. And what I will do and won't do. It changes it from this witness. From this desire to that witness and that desire. Jesus found himself a body. Behold, and after saying above, sacrifice and offerings and whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast not desired, nor hast thou taken pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do thy will. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. You cannot have it both ways. You see, I don't know about you. I like to have it both ways. Give me half and half, Lord. I'll give you half my will. I'll give you parts of my body sometimes. Like now. This is a good time. Aren't you giving part of your body to the Lord right now? Sure you are. You're sitting for a while. So you gave your butt to the Lord. All right. That's good enough for God for right now. You're giving him your eyes. You're looking at me. You gave him your ears right now. 
All right, you're quiet, kind of giving that to the Lord. But what will you give him when the service is over? Will he have anything left? Will Jesus have anything? Any control at all? Or will you, the moment the clock says 12, Phil, be quiet, come on, don't you know? I'm hungry and there's food out here. I actually came to worship God, but what I really came for is the food. That's what's good about coming here, the food. Or the fellowship. I'd like to hear what Abe thinks about this and this, or I'd like to hear what John thinks, or Bernie, you know, how was your week? What? I want some affirmation. Where did the Spirit of the Lord go? Oh, well, he's deep inside somewhere. He's submerged under the water of my flesh right now, is he? Or will he rise out of your heart, out of your flesh, and take control of your will, of your body, of your appetite, of your whole life? You can't have it both ways. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 tells us this, verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Or what harmony has Christ with Belial? Or Belial was an idol. Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Just as God said... I will dwell in them and walk among them. I won't just come down momentarily at the preaching time or the singing time or there's a song that emotionally moves you. I will dwell among them. I'm moving in. I'm living here. You see, so many times in my Christian life, I kind of excused myself to be like the house I'm, we bought down here. Now, many of you guys know you've been there. We've been working on that house for over three months now. We purchased it. I bought it with my money. Our money. And we pretty much go in and out of the house every day. There's a lot going on. We're tearing out walls. We're putting up new walls. We're repainting. We're putting new roof on. Inside and outside, we're making changes. But we don't live there. And for some reason... You guys don't come and hang out with me down there at the house much. You're in and out. I kind of feel like the in and out burger diner. You come in, you look around, you go home. What's up with you? What's your problem? Why won't you come and live with me down there? Because I don't live there. I'm in and out. I'm doing a lot of construction, but I haven't moved in there yet. Now I venture to say... God willing, in a month or so from now, when I actually, when we live there, if you come to visit us, you're going to come, whether invited or not, I hope you come to stay for a while. You come and you sit down on the sofa. You might drink a cup of coffee or eat a meal with us. We might play games together. You may be there for a few hours because someone lives in the house. 
Jesus hasn't come just to remodel your life, brother, sister. Jesus hasn't come just to work on your salvation. He's come for one reason. To move in. To live in your house. Your body. To dwell there. That fellowship with you and I. But to do that, we must come to do His will. That must change. Our inner man being subjected to the will, my own will, my own flesh, other people's wills around me. It must change. That will must be put to death. And you must come to the consciousness of God's will for your life every day. As you walk through the day, your consciousness is taken up with His will for your life. What you say or what you do or... Yes, you live in the conscious will of your Father. And then your life will change. Very quickly, your life can change. And no more of the half and half. Lord, I'll give you my will for a moment here, an hour there. No, Lord, a body you have prepared for me. I come to do thy will, O God. And so I don't do anything on my own initiative anymore. I quit living like mere men, led by my flesh. Live by the Spirit of God, led by the Spirit of God. I'm going to read to you, always, I've been impressed in my life through the testimony of other brothers and sisters who have lived ages before us. And... Lately, I felt like the Lord is telling me to share more of these with you and to share them with you publicly. If you haven't read this book, Reese Howells, Intercessor by Norman Grubb. It was a man who lived with this man for a long time and then writes of what God did in his life, his testimony. I want to read to you just a portion of this man's testimony here. The Holy Spirit takes possession. Now, Reese House was, grew up in a Christian home. He grew up in England. And he was born in the, in the late 1800s and in the early 1900s. The world was beginning to change. A lot of things were beginning to happen. Steel was being manufactured in Pittsburgh. And, and so him and his brothers began to get aspirations. You can go to Pittsburgh in America and make a lot of money. And he got that aspiration as a young Christian man. And so he followed his dream to Pittsburgh. Then the Lord began to work on his life. Money began to make him feel empty. And he began to cry out to God, Lord, I feel so empty. He had been born again. He had his sins forgiven. But he hadn't allowed the Holy Spirit. He was still sacrificing, you know, giving God A little here and a little there. But when the Holy Spirit knocked on his door and said, I don't want to only forgive your sins every day. I want to move in. I want to move in to live here. Take control of your will. And he opened up his heart. He 
He says, two days later in the train on the way to Lindendad, with this thought still before him, a voice spoke to him, When will you return? When you return, you will be a new man. But I am a new man, he protested. No came the answer. You're a child. The others in the carriage were singing the newest song of the revival, the glory song. But Reese never heard it. Instead, he kept pacing the corridor with that voice ringing in his ears. You will be a new man. The next morning, Mr. Hopkins spoke about the Holy Spirit. He made it plain that he is a person with all the faculties of a person, exactly like the Savior. He has intelligence, love, and a will of his own. And as a person, before he comes to live in a man, he must be given full possession of his body. As he spoke, Reese said, The Holy Ghost appeared to me, and I knew him to be the one who had spoken to me the day before and showed me that place of splendor and glory into which natural eyes can never look. It never dawned on me before that the Holy Ghost was a person exactly like the Savior, that he must come and dwell in flesh and blood. In fact, the church knows more about the Savior who was only on the earth 33 years than about the Holy Ghost who has been here 2,000 years. I had only thought of him as an influence coming on meetings, and that was what most of us in the revival thought. I had never seen him, that he must live in bodies as the Savior lived in his on earth. The meeting with the Holy Ghost was just as real to Reese Howells as his meeting with the Savior those years before. I saw him as a person apart from flesh and blood, and he said to me, as the Savior had a body, so I dwell in the cleansed temple of the believer. I am a person, I am God. And I am come to ask you to give your body to me, that I may work through it. I need a body for my temple. But I'm, it must belong to me without reserve. For two persons with different wills can never live in the same body. Will you give me yours? But if I come in, I come as God. And you must go out. I shall not mix myself with yourself. And honestly, brothers and sisters, I've read these words many times in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and chapter 7. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Just as God said, I will dwell in them, walk among them, I will be their God and they shall be my people. But the next step was a step I missed many times. Perhaps it's a step that you're missing in your life. And if it is, dear brother, sister, Jesus, like he told the church at Laodicea, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. Whoever opens the door, I will come in to him. Therefore come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord. And do not touch what is unclean, and I will welcome you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God.
You can read this man's testimony. I encourage you to read his book. I remember reading it many years ago and it changed my life. He gave himself to prayer. And his body didn't become his own. And the Holy Spirit had a will for him and made him an intercessor. You see, I see in my life, dear brothers and sisters, I'm not here because I want to be a preacher. I'm almost, the other week, my wife said to me, this sure isn't the life I chose to live. Do you take that as a negative statement or as a positive one? Which way did you take that? It's the most positive statement you could make when you live in the will of God. It becomes your truth. This life is not the life I would choose to live. To stand up here and tell you this stuff and get excited about it and drop my phone is definitely not in my dreams when I was five. <laughs> That's right. But that will, to live in His will, I'm not talking about living a life that is absolutely perfect. I'm talking about living a life that journeys to perfection, that continues to come up and stay up and swims and rises up with the help of the Holy Spirit who now dwells in you to give your body, your will over to His so that He can live His will through you and me. That's how Jesus lived. I can do nothing on my own initiative. He did nothing. Now, up to this point in my life, I still did some things on my own initiative. And I'm still finding myself getting up in the morning with my own plans. And unless I submit those plans to the Lord... I either frustrate the will of God for my life that day or He frustrates me. One of the two happens. On Friday, we were supposed to have all of our, all of our windows delivered to the house. And I was like, yes, finally, after almost three months, we get windows. We're going to put windows in today. Guess which windows didn't come in? Yep, and the ones right out front. The windows I really wanted where I just have plastic over. My will was frustrated. And I knew I had a choice. Lord, a body you've prepared for me. I come to do thy will of God. My will is to get these windows in this house. I'm feeling pretty upset about it inside. Will I do God's will today or my will? Dear brothers and sisters, this is how Jesus lived his life. And this is how he escaped the snares of the flesh and the temptations of the evil one. And he's asking you and I, he's inviting us to this same life every day. Come walk with him yield our wills to his will he may have a soul for you to share with that day but if you're doing your own will you won't take the time for that soul
you'll miss him. You see, one thing that Jesus did on Friday in my life is gave me the opportunity to tell numerous of our neighbors who are unbelievers, who don't yield their will at all to God. Their bodies are their own. They don't even acknowledge that God is. As Don told me once, there's three things I stay away from. Politics, television, and religion. And I'm a happy man because of it. I told him, I hope it. That's not real happiness. That's not real happiness, but that's how he sees it. And he knew those windows were supposed to come in. What was I going to say to him? Was he going to see me act like a mere man? Or was he going to experience a spirit who is under the control of the Holy Spirit? That's the difference. One is heaven on earth. The other is just earth without heaven. Oh, Father, I pray you would make us heavenly men and women who live on earth. Encourage us with this word today. Keep changing us, Lord Jesus, to submit our will into your hands every day, to surrender, to love you more. And, oh, Lord Jesus, to seek to do your will and live in that conscious reality every day as you did, in Jesus' name, amen.